Hi folks, Joe here. Welcome to episode four of the Taking Note podcast. This week we've got something a little bit different. Last October, Charlie and I released our fourth studio album, which is called Spiorichus, A High Place. Now, with this being in a time where there were restrictions on live performance, which is the normal way and which I think would mark the launch of an album, we thought we'd do this little listen through episode where Charlie and I introduce the tracks on the album and give you the opportunity to hear them as well as a bit of insight into kind of how we made it and what inspired it and things like that. So this episode is split into two parts, both of which were released today. So here we have, first of all, coming up is part one. And if, if you like the music you've heard, you might consider either buying it from us, streaming it, or becoming a subscriber of ours on Bandcamp. More information on all of those things is available on our website, which is www.cgjpmusic.com. So here we are, and hope you enjoy. Hi, Charlie. How are you getting on? Good. How are you getting on? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, yeah, we thought we'd, we'd do a wee episode... Um, just to kind of mark and reflect back upon um, the album that we've just released, actually. It's our fourth album, um, and it's called Spiorichus, A High Place, and it came out on the 1st of October. Um, so we recorded it earlier in 2021. I think um, it was February we did it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, just in that kind of period where everything was quite quiet in the world with, you know... Um, the old pandemic and stuff like that. Very, very up in the air period um, of both of our lives, I think. But, but, you know, looking back on it, I think it was also quite a nice moment for actually having a bit more time and space in, in you know, in your in your mind and stuff like that. Absolutely to, was, yeah. To really just focus on on one thing, you know, I think for that, for the certainly the first few months of this year, this was the only creative project I was really focused on at all. Well, it was pretty quick as well. I mean, we within six weeks, mm-hmm. we were in the studio. Yeah, from starting. Um, and I suppose, again, that's a product of, like, this is the one thing that, you know, we're focusing on. There's nothing else to happen. Um, yeah. It happened a bit differently from normal, but um, it was a nice thing. It's really nice that it's now out in the world. And so we thought we'd, you know, play play it and, you know, just give a bit of chat about the tracks on there, kind of in the way that you would if you were playing at a gig sort of thing, really, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Just giving people a chance to kind of hear our thoughts on our approach to writing it, essentially, and a bit of information about some of the the songs. How it all went, basically. Um, And we did the album at Castle Sound. It was recorded by Matty Folds, who's... A great friend and recording engineer. Wonderful. We love Matty. Um, I think this is the tenth release I've worked on with him, actually, in one way or another. He's a fantastic many things as Matty. Um, he's great crack and he's a great drummer, a brilliant recording and mixing and mastering engineer. And I think he's been involved in one of those ways on every album I've ever worked on with any project, um, which is really nice. Um, so the first track on the album is one of yours, Charlie, isn't it? Yeah, so it's Coig Perikin Can Tail, um, which basically directly translates as the Five Sisters of Kintail, mm-hmm. which are a mountain range, um, obviously, in Kintail in the west of Scotland. And, you know, that's the sort of neck of the woods in which we met each other because we were at school together up 
up mm. near Skye there. And it's a really beautiful part of the world. And having done lots of, you know, just going up over the Mamratagan to, to Glenelg for the crack throughout most of my life and also just going over to do Cayleys and doing work and mm-hmm. holidays, you know, whatever. It's something that's always stuck with me is coming up over the top of the hill there and that view, or sometimes not view, depending the on... The out. Exactly. Just how beautiful it is there. And, yeah, I don't know. I did, I did write the tune and then named it after, so it wasn't directly sort of written for it, yeah, if that makes any sense. No, I get you, yeah. But it felt, it felt really fitting, and I'm, yeah. I'm happy with it. It's funny, when I, what I associate with this tune, I think, is um, for one, once a year, um, Charlie, myself, our pal Katie McDonald is from Glenelg, um, which is over the other side of the hill that looks on to the Five Sisters of Kintail and Mary Ennis um, form what's known as the Ramin Speed Cayley Band um, for playing at Hogmanay um, for the dance they have in Glenelg. And whenever we play or I hear this tune, I kind of think about about that, about the kind of madness of a Glenelg New Year. Which it's funny, isn't it? Because the tune itself does not have any hint of that. No, not at all. But in my head, it's just like, oh my God, it's like New Year in Glenelg. And it's so exciting and there's so much crack happening but and I think, stuff. I think, again, like that view holds that a wee bit for me as well, because there's this thing of, it is a really peaceful spot to kind of... Yeah, prepare yourself. <laughs> exactly. Like there is an element of that, you know, we've so many nights there now, just complete lunacy. I know, it's fantastic. And it is great, but you know either coming home the next morning or going up before the event, you know, you quite often need a wee, a wee, wee bit moment. of isn't exactly. there? <laughs> right, well, with that, here it is.
So this uh, second track, uh, which we've titled Grumach on the album, uh, its full title is Achulia Grumach, which means the gloomy forest. Mm-hmm. And I came across this song in a book called The Songs of Gaelic Scotland. So the Songs of Gaelic Scotland is written by Anne Lauren Gillis, who's um, a kind of very multifaceted and kind of fantastic person, author, singer, researcher, telly personality, many things, quite remarkable. And she's made this book, Songs of Gaelic Scotland, is kind of like a something of a Bible, I think. Yeah, it's in incredible. Of, I mean, it was handed down to me from from my granny actually, which was lovely. And it's it's nice going through the book as well and seeing all the songs that my granny was well known for singing. Mm-hmm. And it was something quite nice, but you know, sort of being in touch with that and yeah, yeah, oh, that's maybe, really cool. Maybe seeing where her inspiration came from a little mm-hmm. bit because I'm now going to the book and doing the same thing, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the it, the song is basically about a man who emigrates from the Isle of Col out to Canada. And it's essentially a bit of a woe, it's me story. And he's talking about how he's been given false information about the promised land. And he's talking about the summer and how hot it is and how many trees there are and how there's no good land to grow anything. Mm-hmm. And then the winter and how cold it is and all these things. And it's quite interesting. In what I understand of like, that that period of time, I think it well, you know, it was like seventeen to early nineteen hundreds. There was just mass emigration, and you know, in some cases, like forced from the Highlands to to places like Nova Scotia and um, Cape Breton and Canada, as well as you know, Australia and like kind of all over. You know, at the height of British Empire colonialism, etc. Um, I think we look we look back on that. I think in a slightly starry-eyed way, and Absolutely, we're like, "Isn't this amazing?" Yeah. All of these Scots going off and finding this, all of these new worlds and stuff like that. But it was definitely missold to the people who went willingly. You know, there was there's all of these stories of people who went in search of a a better life. You know, this brave new frontier on the other side of the Atlantic, um, and it was just desperate. It was you know they arrived and it's like, oh, this place where you'll farm and you know. So will all be given a plot of land yeah. and it's all going to be great. And it's and a bloody great forest, you know. Yeah. So you've got to do that before you do anything else. And, you know, there is the uncomfortable part of these folk who went over are also clearing native people off of yeah. their land as well. And, like, you know, I don't, I think, rightly understandably, there was some pretty <laughs> great kind of inhospitability towards these new settlers. And... I think a lot of people were missold kind of what they were going over for and and that comes across in in the lyrics this guy John McLean who was when he was in Scotland as well I think he enjoyed quite a comfortable position he was like yeah the, absolutely he was the bard to was it the Laird of Call and That's Tyree exactly or something yeah, like yeah. that and so you know socially enjoyed a good position within the hierarchy of the community and things at the time but still chose to emigrate and found things to be yeah. greatly worse. Um, but it's an amazing song and melody as a piece of yeah. music. One, one of the things he he goes on about in the song is about how he's losing his, his Gaelic and he's losing his ability to write songs and all of these things. 
And something I really like that in the book was that in telling us this, it's very ironic because he leaves us with one of the best Exile Gaelic songs ever written. And I just thought that was a, a brilliant sentence, you know, yeah. because it's so true and it's, mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful song yeah. and it's such a shame that he's talking all about how bad he is at writing Gaelic yeah, songs. And it's know? just like, this is amazing. Yeah, it's, what it's are really you interesting. Um, but it's a perspective thing, I suppose. Isn't it, it absolutely is. And I, I learned it from a recording by Arthur Cormack as well, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. So yeah. I would recommend giving that a listen too. Yeah. And I think knowing all of of that and its background, to me anyway, and I don't know if it's just, you know, because of playing it and stuff like that, that my perspective is this, but like, you can hear all of that, you can hear all of what's gone into the song and what it's about in the melody. I think it's so clear, you know, the kind of, it's, it's, it's desperate. It absolutely and, is, yeah. And, and it's beautiful as a melody as well. It has so much movement to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually quite, a, it took me a long time to learn it. It was quite a complicated tune in yeah. some some respects. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think this is one of my favourites of of this record, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I I play it all the time at home. <laughs> we'll stick it on. <laughs> Thank you. 
So the next track's a pushed, isn't it? A pushed to bail. Yeah. Um, pushed to bail is a is a style of singing in Gaelic that could be used for dancing, you know. So it's very rhythmic, and the kind of rhythmic and the melodic stuff's probably more important than the lyrics sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, so they they quite often use in pushed to bail um, more sort of sound, you know, like a big one is is ho and ro and these yeah. words. Yeah, totally. That are you know sort of very rhythmic they don't necessarily mean anything and and you know even the lyrics that are words you know it's kind of they are sometimes described by folk as nonsense songs which you know is i don't know if that's the best way to describe them but like that's like well for example the lyrics for this one um and um, it's called kaliach govan which um translates as um the smith's wife i think um and you know, the, the, the verses, what a din the smith's my wife made, what a din the miller's wife made, what a din the smith's wife made when she saw the miller's wife's grandchild. <laughs> and then the chorus is, hi-ho on the smith's wife, hi-ho on the miller's wife, hi-ho on the smith's wife, what a din the miller's wife made. Wow. So, you know, that's the sort of thing. But then it's, it's a great tune, you know, yeah. and it feels... I think the thing to say about this album as well is like nearly all of the melodies, aside from the ones that we've written ourselves, are the melodies to Gaelic songs. Yeah, and generally pretty old ones as well. Yeah. I think there's maybe one... Yeah, the very last that, track's a bit newer, I think. Yeah, but um, even so, that was still... When was that written? I can't even think. Start of the 20th century. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think the thing, the thing about it for with this is that like you know those melodies they feel like song melodies whereas this feels you know it's just like it's a great tune yeah and i think you know that's that's what makes it i, I actually know a lot of tunes that i knew as pipe tunes or as fiddle tunes that i didn't realize were actually perched to be and they you know you you'll be at a session years later and somebody starts singing it yeah it's amazing it's totally fantastic um there's there's great recordings of people singing this this particular Pursht and you know many others about the place and they're definitely worth listening to I think yeah. um, I think I learned this recording from it came from the School of Scottish Studies archive um, and it was when um, Callum and Annie, and Annie Johnson from Barra were recorded in the I think it was the fifties but I'm not totally sure um, um, and that's you know it's worth listening to 
just to kind of get a sense of it in that sort of world as well.
So this next tune is one of one of yours, or it's the tune of yours because we did one each. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's called um, Gathen Green, um, which is one way in Gaelic of describing sunbeams. I wrote this in, I think, October 2020. I was at home, I was in Achelsebui. I was actually sitting, like, having a cup of tea on, on the rocks in front of the house I was staying in. I wasn't staying at home because of, you know, the whole pandemic, COVID sort of situation. But I was staying in a house just below my parents. Um, it's basically, it's basically in the garden, isn't it? Kind of. You know, it's like my folks' house, the road, which is like a wee single track road, and then this other house, um, which actually used to be the school in the village. Um, so I was sitting, you know, on the rocks in front of the house, having a cup of tea. Um, it's right by the sea. Um, and when you're sitting there, you can look out and there's a couple of islands which are quite close by. Um, but as you look further out west, you can see across the Minch towards um, the Hebrides, towards Lewis and Harris and things. And that's on a clear day, though. And on this day, it was um, it was coming towards sunset and there was just this most amazing kind of array of these um, crispicular rays, you know, when when the sun filters through the atmosphere in a certain way that it produces really defined rays. Um, You know, it was really stunning. And this was one of those times where the tune just kind of came, you know, it just, it was as I was sitting there, it was kind of going around my mind. And then by the time I got up and went back to the house and played it on the accordion, um, that, you know, it was all there. Um, So... So yeah, so it's exactly for that, really. Um, how, do, how in those situations do you do you record like what you've done? Like, do you sing into your phone? Like, do you write it down? Do you? I just sat because it was you know it was really in the moment. It was really coming into my mind, and I was like, okay, I can I can hear this, and I can hear it as a complete tune in my head, and I'm going to sit here for long enough until I can remember it, and then when I move, it'll stay with me it. until yeah. I go and play it, and so. So the first recording I have of it is just a voice memo of it on my phone on the accordion. But um, you know, it was it was only through spending a bit longer, really letting it settle within myself before I did that, that it kind of worked out. It's funny that as well. Like I find with these tunes, sometimes I I think it's fully formed, and then you take it back to the instrument because I'll sing into my phone a lot of the time from down mm-hmm. by the sea or whatever. And there's always a few notes to tweak or a few. Yeah phrases to sort of so it falls into the instrument in the correct way but then I kind of didn't write this for the piano or for an instrument that I would play exactly like it's well you were saying you kind of had in your mind the the Hardanger de Mori for it actually exactly but because at that time you know when I was at home it was a couple of weeks before we were going to go and do the only bit of like in-person work we really did last year, um, which was um, a week in residency at um, Snape Malting, supported by the Britain Peers Arts Foundation. That's really bad. I can't remember what, what the one bit of work was, but of course. That was it. Um, yeah. And that, you know, and so it was just like, but in, in that time and in being like, okay, we're going to go back and do a wee bit of residency time and a wee bit of writing and development of this podcast project, actually, was what we were there to do. Um I was thinking about the you know the majorly exciting thing of this new instrument of yours coming because that you know that that's been something that's been on the horizon for a long time and I, I mean obviously it's a 
that's a completely pivotal thing for you, but it's also been a kind of hugely exciting thing for me because it's like yeah, of course. having one of these, you know, fantastic and rare and beautiful instruments in my kind of orbit was something that, like, you know, it's, it's definitely something to look forward to. So I was thinking about it when I was thinking about this tune, and so it was kind of... And, in the, and also thinking about the way that you play and stuff as well. So, like... You know, those were all in my mind as I was writing this, and then I think it worked okay on the on the on the hardanger in the it's, end. It's perfect for it. Actually, you can really use the full 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 range of the instrument, which is nice. It was just about that, like that kind of dusty thing you can get right down at the bottom of it. You know, on the low strings, and just kind of making it scoop up from there yeah. to to a kind of more higher bit of melody. I suppose that was. Yeah. The intention, anyway, and I think it's worked out okay. Great. Well, we'll give it a wee listen. This next track um, also kind of originates from Achilles Bowie in a way. It was written 
I think in the 1840s by a man named Donald Fraser who was local to the village um, and he he went off to be a gamekeeper um, at an estate further towards Laird, as I understand it, I think, um, but also he wrote a lot of songs and poetry in Gaelic and you know was considered to be a bit of a bard for the area and for the time. Um, and so he wrote this one, which in Gaelic is called Frith Nam Din Rua, um, I'm not a Gaelic speaker, so my pronunciation sometimes isn't great. Um, which translates to The Forest of the Red Stags, which is the title we've given it on the album. And yeah, as I understand it, it's about his experiences of kind of gamekeeping and of the kind of land and the surrounds in the in the area and things. And the melody is just really nice, I think. It it's was kind stunning, of what actually. drew me to it. And um, Yeah, I think this was actually one of my favourites to record. It was just really... The melody carries itself. Yeah. Do you know, it's like you don't actually, you just kind of have to interact with it, with your instruments.
So this one is probably one of our slightly more upbeat tracks. Yeah. <laughs> one of one of maybe three on the whole fourteen track album, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which isn't a bad thing. We you know we talked about that before, didn't we? About sort of are we not playing enough reels, but or anything? Yeah, I think there's one reel on the whole album, which for a traditional album is quite rare. I think it's not a bad thing, though. I'm quite into yeah. it. It's um, great. This this one is a is another pushed. Um, this one is a jig, another pushed, and it's called Fakisha Marin and Alistair. And I think that means have you seen Mary, comma, daughter of Alistair? Um, it's and a it, very hard thing to say. Very. Um, <laughs> and in the way that we were talking about the third track, there, it's I think the lyrics kind of follow a similar vein of it's more about the tune than the words in some ways. And we titled it as Mary on the on the album and when I sent a copy of this over to my dad and my stepmom whose name is Mary, dad phoned me up and he said, What's what's this track about this Mary character or something along those lines? <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. You have to give some context there. Yeah. Um, I think my main bit of crack about this one is um when when we got the masters back, you know, I was just listening to them in in the flat here and um Rona, my flatmate, was around at the time as well, and um, I was like, "Oh, I really like the piano intro I've done for this." Um, and then she just turned around to me and she was like, "Joe, it just sounds a bit like you're ripping a bass hunter line." And I was like, "That is so not what I was going for," but you know, because I thought it was like, "Oh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of slightly spicy and it's harmony, it's cool, but." She she shot me straight back down to earth anyway. Um, so <laughs> well, we'll let you let you make make up your mind as listeners. Thank you. 
So there we are. That was the first half of Charlie and I's most recent album, which is Spjörges, A High Place. This kind of feels like halfway time in a gig almost. So if you've liked what you've heard, maybe go and get yourself a refreshment from the bar and come back for the second half of the album, which is available in the podcast feed now.